Hey friends, welcome to Play Along Podcast, the podcast where we play through games. I'm your host, Jared, and today I'm with Kai. Hello. And I'm with Ben. Hello. How are you guys doing today? How are you gents doing? Pretty good. Good, good, good yeah. Good. Sweet. Uh, a little housekeeping before we start. Uh, we had a little issue with some of our recent episodes not uploading to Apple Podcasts, but that has been resolved, so those are fine. You guys can head over to Apple Podcasts and check those out. Uh, and while you're there... You can leave us a rate or review, letting us know how you like the podcast. Hell, tell us what you don't like. Tell us how shitty we are. <laughs> I was waiting to see. I mean, honestly, like, is he just is he only fishing for positives? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, uh, if you leave a five star review, you can say anything in the comments. You can just post like whatever you want in there, as long as it's five stars. You want to say that Kai is the best host, and you know he should he should take lead on all the episodes. That's fine. You know your opinion is valid here. It doesn't. No, that actually that actually isn't valid. If you say that, you're wrong. <laughs> So uh, that'd be followed with a one-star review. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually do have a review from person zero dark tooth hurdy. Oh, great. Well, that, that's someone you <laughs> want to take advice from. Five stars. And they say, uh, if you need some gaming tips on some of your favorite video games, check this podcast out. These are some solid reviews as well. These guys have a great dynamic and had me chuckling throughout my listening of them trying to figure out Oh, I lost the spot. Shit. Uh, <laughs> literally one paragraph. Trying to figure out certain game quirks. Looking forward to seeing how they handle even more games. So thank you, Zero Dark Tooth Hurdy, for leaving us. How a, much did you pay for that review? Uh, about $5.15. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Go go to payreviews.com to get your reviews today. <laughs> it was uh, the... It was the uh, it was the IQ episode that really sold it. You know, yeah, yeah, we, we did such a great job of reviewing that game. Yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, thank you. We really appreciate it. Guys, if you have any kind of feedback at all, you leave us a review. Go on Twitter. Again, tell us how awful we are. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's the internet. It's, it's going to happen eventually. It's it's going to happen. Honestly, I'm looking uh, forward to it. You're looking forward to it. You, you, I'll, I'll, I'll be the bad review reader, and I'll do it in character. So can you uh, I'll play the troll. Can you give our bad reviews like a, a funny accent as well? Yeah, that makes the pain. But you can't do English because you know that's offensive. Well, it's offensive to that. Yeah, we want to be you know. Anyway, here because episode uh, three of Kentucky Route Zero is quite long, we should probably yeah. get started. It's it's wild, and I, I feel like this is going to be a continued trend as we progress through these episodes. Each episode talking about the last and being like, if you thought Act 2 was crazy, <laughs> Act 3 is going to be wild. I feel like this game's going to slowly uh, divulge into just insanity by the end of it and just make absolutely no goddamn sense. Because let me tell you, this episode, so much happens. So much yeah, happens. Yeah, it's, like, um, it's like a Hydra. You know, you like you answer one question, but you get two more. Like, there was, there was yeah. things that started to tie together a little bit. Um, but then you get to the point where there's like glowing yellow skeleton people, which we'll get to eventually. And I was just like, what? <laughs> well, you feel like that there's, there's a, there's a certain extent of crazy, you know, there's like, I mean, this game is all about fantastical realism and stuff like that, but you know, in these first two acts, it kind of still plays into the realism aspect of things, but the fantastical comes out so much in this episode. Oh yeah. It's definitely it's leaning into it more. It's kind of wild. Um, but to start here, we, you know, in between each one of these acts, there's kind of the, you know, middle episode. So last time was the limits and demonstrations before act one. And now uh, in between this one is called the entertainment. Uh, and this one was, 
I want to say it was fairly longer. I feel like it was a little longer than the limits and demonstrations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it took me a good sort of 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. to to get through this. But same with this. Like, this is a very... I mean, I know the whole game's dialogue heavy because it's a, a game where all the dialogue is done by texts, but there's a lot... A lot of dialogue that happens in this in this. Oh, scene. and it completely changes the the way you experience the dialogue. Right. You know, right. you're usually reading in a single text box, and then you have like the character names next to it, as if you're reading a script. Right. But this is you have dialogue bubbles now that are right. coming from characters. But the biggest kind of change going into this in between the entertainment is the game's in first person now. Yep, you're in first mm-hmm. person. You're you're playing a gentleman sitting at a table in this this small like dive bar and you're overhearing a conversation between a bartender and a woman and then other individuals that come into play the dialogue between all of them but it's it was very uh not jarring but it was very shocking opening up this and just going into first person since the entire game was this kind of 2.5d you know side scroller that we've been playing yeah yeah it was very strange um Mm. And there was a lot of, I don't know how 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 do you want to discuss this? How are we going to go about this? Yeah, I mean, we don't have to there's, go a, into there's like, a lot of little things that happen, right? Or right. do you so want to just skim over it? Complete detail with all the all the stuff that happens here. So essentially, you have access to completely look 360 around this area, and you find out that you were participating in a play that's happening. Because if you look behind yourself, there is seating and there's a there's a crowd full of people there's a director on the side there kind of you know telling you what to do and and honestly your character's job is nothing you just sit there and observe i don't think you have any kind of lines or any kind of dialogue in this uh, this play that's well, happening. you you are so the idea is that this school is putting on two productions of one playwright's mm-hmm. uh separate plays together and so there's the entertainment, which is a broader play that takes place in a bar. And then there's, I believe it's called the Barfly or mm. something like that, where it, the original play was an actor just sitting at a table and they would read like memory cues. So it'd be like, you think of, you know, you think of the color blue or you scratch your face. And that was a separate play. And they decided to blend these together. So you're observing the broader play, but you are yourself part of the play and if you look down at the table that you're sitting at there's often like those cues for you right. as well that's like you look at the glass or you think about a memory or you read the newspaper you read the or, newspaper yeah uh, yeah you're, is... you're playing the barfly yeah um and so you you find out the the bartender knows this woman who's come to to have a drink um, she is a regular. She's worried about mm-hmm. her husband, who is a uh, essentially a door-to-door hammer salesman. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, and she's worried that he, not necessarily worried, but like there's thoughts going through her head that he's going to be cheating on her and sleeping with other women yeah. and stuff. Um, the entire so... time that you, uh, sorry, but the entire time you like ha- hear this conversation between her, it's almost like that she's wanting this thing to happen mm-hmm. she keeps bringing it up over and over again like he might as well just go find someone find some tall thing and, and get out of here but it it almost implies that that's like she wants an out of this this relationship that they have yeah yeah it's, it's very much coming across that way um mm-hmm. and and throughout this um the bartender 
is talking about a trip that he took to New Orleans. And as the conversations progress, it starts off, he's like, oh, yeah, I was sitting by the pool, and then he's talking about beach. And it becomes very apparent that there are a lot of holes in in what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, a lot of plot holes in his story because they're always just like, well, was it a, a, a pool or were you sitting by the beach? Like, you couldn't have done this if you were sitting by the yeah. beach and the pool at the same time. And the, the woman sitting there, whose name is Evelyn, gets slowly more and more drunk yes. and more and more <laughs> accusatory of his uh, lyings of his vacation, which, you know, it's always, that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. and then um, we are introduced to Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pearl is a a woman who works at a pawn shop, um, and so she she got the day shift t- today because she is going to uh, cut off ties to her parents who are right, right. racking up an extensive debt at this bar, um, and she's normally covering their tab, and she has decided that enough is enough, and she she's not going to cover their tab anymore. And it seems like she's like a loan servicer, right? Like that's what yeah. she's Yeah, of. yeah. So she she's doing that and she's discussing um that her manager has come up with what we know as payday loans. <laughs> right, um, exactly. Because it's his invention is apparently. Yeah, he he's apparently invented this and they are uh loans that people with bad credit can apply for and you get them and they have an extortionate, you know, interest rate, and it's essentially preying on on those who can't afford to to pay right. off their loans, and so need right. another loan to help them get through. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of hard topics that are kind of discussed in this in this yeah. play here. Between that and then just like setting up boundaries with family members, she's pro someone that's always kind of, you know paid for her parents and took on their debts and took on their loans. And she's finally trying to be like, okay, I'm going to be responsible and they need to be able to take care of themselves. I'm going to set those boundaries and stuff like that, which is a lot of this game started out as a delivery driver. And now, <laughs> now we're here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so eventually you find out that, that the bartender was indeed lying. Um, yeah. He didn't go to new Orleans. He in fact spent the entire time sitting in the bar in the dark uh from what i could gather grieving the loss of his wife yeah that's kind and, of what and i watching got. nature documentaries oh yeah and watching the nature and watching nature documentaries yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah he, he's very obviously grief-stricken and is is still working through that there's a lot of talk about his wife bess and how she was a good christian mm. lady <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and see like every time they say that like him and evelyn like take a drink yeah. Take, like, a shot. yeah literally every time they take a shot um, and eventually we are introduced, I can't remember their name, but we're introduced to Pearl's parents. Ooh, and um, either. Uh, one of them was Lawrence, because <laughs> she called oh, him Larry right. and he didn't like he it. Larry. He's like, no, don't call me Larry. And Lawrence I can't remember said. the lady's name. That's going to bug me. But anyway, you're, you're introduced to her parents and uh, they're discussing the fact that the mum has seemingly been put up for a promotion. Um, mm-hmm. It later turns out she wasn't put up for a promotion. She was told that she would eventually be manager material. Eventually, eventually maybe. maybe. <laughs> eventually, maybe. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they really, they really sell that too. That it was eventually maybe that she was going to be promoted. Yeah, and 
And the bartender is actually the one who tells the parents in front of Pearl that yeah. Pearl is going to be cutting ties with them and and no longer paying their tab. Well, I mean, the entire time, too, it seems like that it's going to build up to that. You know, there's tension between the Pearl's parents and Pearl. She doesn't necessarily come out and say that she doesn't want to pay their tabs and carry their, their debt anymore, but she drops, like, you know, subtle hints about, like, not wanting to do that. But it, it is eventually... The bartender that's like, yeah, no, she's not doing that anymore. You guys got to stop. You guys got to pay. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of lots of talk of a reckoning. Yeah, he keeps talking a about reckoning a and a collection of debt. Yeah, this is where it starts to slowly like spiral into craziness. Because then he also talks mm-hmm. about that, you know, they're, they're sitting and waiting there because they're waiting for uh, a performer to come in uh, that's going to, you know, put oh, on a show. It's for the them. entertainment. Yeah, the entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they're discussing that, you know, they're like, oh, she's not coming. Mm-hmm. She's but, late. Yeah, there's also a crazy revelation in which Harry reveals that, was it Harry? Was that the name of the bartender? Yeah, yeah, the bartender's mm-hmm. name was Harry. Yeah, I think it was Harry, yeah. Um, he reveals that the the pub is basically bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, he had no money because he let people's... Um, tabs run too high and so he had to take a deal with the renowned hard boys who run a whiskey distillery and essentially what has happened is that he has taken on a deal with them where the hard boys have now inherited the debt of these people's tabs yeah and he talks about like you know, I, I've, I've given your debts to them and they'll be in here to collect, which I, I we assume is the reckoning that Harry has been talking about. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and you know, they're apparently there's lots of rumors about them. Apparently they're very strange looking. Um, it's also the only drink that he serves. Um, at the beginning, they talk about the fact he serves hard whiskey. Um, hard times whiskey. He, hard times whiskey. Hard times whiskey, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't have he doesn't have any other drink, and then you you eventually figure out why he doesn't have any other drink because of this deal. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's I believe the reason that we go through you know the description of um, the payday loans with Pearl is because it's the same thing, right? It's like the idea that mm-hmm. this debt is worth something. That's why payday loans work is because then he can sell the the debt that these people rack up to the banks and so we get that kind of introduction that some somehow this is the same thing that the hard times whiskey people are using this debt to make whiskey or to, to make money one <laughs> right of right still, yeah yeah um yeah but the, i think the general theme of this is is kind of the theme of like debt and mm-hmm. and you know people taking advantage of that debt Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember how this scene ends. I think, uh, I mean, there's also, so during this play that you're watching, you can turn around and you can read reviews right, right. of the play from the paper. Uh, if you look at the back wall, uh, and they, the reviews kind of give you a synopsis of the entire thing. So it, it talks a lot about like, oh, it's a, you know, story about the effects of debt on a community and what can happen when everyone has debt and you know selling each other out 
Uh, and then you can also look over and read the director's notes. Um, and eventually you get to a point where it says that the set design was done by Lula Chamberlain. Yeah. And that's kind of our connection to why we're here. <laughs> well, why we're here and the, the previous acts, because I mean, we're, we're playing in first person, but there's no context that says like we're Conway or anything like that. We're no. just, hmm. we're just an individual playing in this play, the barfly. Sorry, I was going to say what's also interesting is that one of the people who reviewed it um, was actually Joseph. Joseph conducted a review oh. of the um, of the play as well. Yeah, so those are kind of our connections to the past acts. That there's these Joseph and Lila Chamberlain, these characters that we've met, and now like okay, so they have some they have some uh, role in this production that we're playing in. Yeah, which would make sense because from what I understood, it was a student theater, right? Um, and there was one of the dialogue options at one point was that they knew each other because um, I think Joseph and Donald mm. were students and Lula worked on, oh no, she played in a band who were playing on campus. Right. So right, it, right, it would that. it would make sense that, you know, Joseph has reviewed it as a student and he's said, oh, if you need someone to create the set for your play, I know someone who's uh, an aspiring right. architect and... You know, it kind of pieces together. Yeah. So the, the way that this scene ends is that eventually you get to the to the end of the story where Harry is closing the bar at mm -hmm. the end of the night, and and Junebug, who we learn is the person who's supposed to play never entertainment, up. never shows up. Uh, and you turn around, and there is a ghostly figure who is a uh, glowing skeleton, yes, glowing skeleton yes. who we we learn later are the uh, purveyors of hard times whiskey. But at this moment, you have no idea who this is, and then yeah. the scene closes. Um, it's wild. Yes, I, mean, I remember what, that now. What, what What were your kind of overall thoughts on on this the entertainment? Well, I was, I came out of it like so confused. Oh yeah, so confused. so goddamn confused. <laughs> come come end of Act Three, I was like, okay, it makes sense. That was the other thing, is that these these people he sold the debt to. Own mm. some kind of electric company. They owned like a power company or something. Right, right. Um, because that comes up later in the end of Act Three. You find out that, um, you, you know, you find out how they're they're getting their power, mm -hmm. which was crazy as well. Um, but yeah, it it it, it just confused me. I it finished and I was like, why is there a glowing dude? Why, why, what? <laughs> I mean, and it, I mean, looking back now on this, there's so much more that happens that I kind of just like, I'm like, oh yeah, this was like when the entertainment happened and the bar and stuff like that. Like, I totally forgot about kind of this first part towards the end of Act Three because, like I said, so much happens. But no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think when we were playing this, we we're like, I'd actually watch this as a play. Like, I go, I go see this play. Yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. It was good to see. You know. Because there's a lot of it, there's a lot of like piecing things together. Because the yeah. the way it kind of works is that it's almost like acts. So the the lights will go dark, yeah, and then they'll come back on, and it's like the next act of this play. Um, but there's a lot of like subtle storytelling where you mm. have to piece together, you know. You you piece together the fact that Evelyn is unhappy in this relationship. It's never, it's never blatantly told. Yeah, yeah, it's never said. But you know, 
by what she says and the way she responds to what Harry says to her, it's evident that she isn't happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, you find out about about Bess and it was just a nice way to to tell a story rather than Evelyn being like, yeah, I think I'm going to break up with my husband. Yeah, it was just her slow decline. And the fact that she's just like progressively getting more drunk as the night continues that she's like almost spent the entire day just drinking there it's like yeah this is not a happy woman (laughs) yeah (laughs) this this is a sad lady and all of them have this like this essence of just like depression and sadness over them even the whole play is very somber in itself that none of them are really happy and don't even get any closure come the end of the play (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Yeah, i mean even even paul's parents she says how you know They've never been good with money. They've always been in debt. Right. Which, I mean, this comes up too, because like with, in the very beginning, we know about Shannon and Weaver's family. It was the same thing with like Weaver, how how their family also struggled with debt and everything. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it all comes together. Well, and especially with this entertainment portion of this game, it made me like think about, you know, is this game entirely going to be some kind of like, play because the game is separated in acts and scenes so it's kind of it kind of made me think about that yeah it's definitely it, it does make you wonder how meta it is really at the end are we gonna like a, a curtain's gonna open there's gonna be a crowd and we'll bow and the curtain closes and then this is the end and it was just a play the whole time only one way to find out it would Still not play. surprise me Stop it here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that was the entertainment after that you go into act three uh, and Act Three opens immediately with uh, um, Conway, and then another woman sitting at this this dining table in the kitchen. Which at first you told me like those are Pearl's parents, and I was like, that's definitely Conway. And you're like, that man's black, and I was like, maybe Conway's black. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, I was wrong. Yeah, it's it's Conway and Lizette. So obviously the owner of the antique shop. They're sitting uh, at the dining table, and they're just kind of listening to the radio. Um, there's all these kind of nods of Lizette having bad memory, but remembering like simple things, almost like she has Alzheimer's or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's never blatantly said that that's the case, but there's lots of like nods that hints towards that. She keeps forgetting words and then you are given the option to fill in what she's thinking. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she'll say something and she's like, Oh, like, what do you call it when blur? Like she, they, so I mean, first of all, like the the radio talks about the existence of the zero, which I right. found was kind of interesting. Interesting because I assumed that Conway didn't know about the zero until we met Joseph in the very first like, act. Like a decent amount of people know about the zero. Yeah, I mean it's it's on the radio on the fucking traffic announcement. <laughs> like, right, right. um, but like you you start to talk about an individual named Charlie. Mm-hmm. Who who was somebody who Lysa and Conway both knew. I got the impression that she was like, or they was like Lysa's child, maybe? Mm. There was some kind of seemingly strong emotional connection, whatever that right. connection was. She was very mm-hmm. connected to Charlie. And um, Charlie ended up actually, unfortunately, dying. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he, well, I say he, it might be she, I don't know, they <laughs> fell off of a roof. Um, and, and Lysette's like, oh yeah, what do you, what do you call that? And it was like, do you call it like an accident? Um, 
a tragedy tragedy. or something else and you you was kind of deciding what it was well and it's interesting it's interesting too because i mean while we were in the cave with shannon we had told that story about you know in our situation there was no accident oh my god the roofing job the roofing job exactly but in your story you did the roofing job and someone got hurt from that roofing job i wonder if that was the person that lizette is referring to god i didn't even put that together Ben's mind's just blown. <laughs> I found out later in the act yeah. um, that what happened was... Uh, hang on, I made a bloody note about it. Oh, I can't remember, but what's the name of the tiles on the roof? Basically, somebody was on the roof. Shingles? What's that? Uh, uh, they were on the roof and one of the tiles on the roof came loose underneath Charlie's foot and that's why Charlie Mm. fell off the roof Mm. Um, and he's like I always told him to put his heel first that was it yeah yeah he can test the tiles before he steps on them and then he didn't listen and one of the questions was like it was his fault for not listening or it was you know it was inevitable or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't put that together. My God. I mean, this game does a good job about that. I mean, if you can catch those little subtle hints, kind of, you know, piecing things together as you continue and, and saying nods to other stories and other conversations that you haven't before. It was really interesting. I mean, in the very beginning when Weaver's like, hey, you probably should start paying attention now. She was <laughs> she was serious. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things you can miss by just like spamming through the dialogue. The fins are called shingles. Yeah, shingles. I found my notes. Shingles, yeah. The single shingles slipped. Single shingles. Yeah. Um, but then Lysit starts to talk about how um, she's worried that the truck's going to break down. Mm. And I made a joke that the truck would outlive everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did um, the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they start to discuss how this drop that Conway's about to do is going to be mm-hmm. essentially the final hoorah of the, of the shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably like financial reasons, but I'm curious if, if there is a reason why the shop is not continuing. Like I said, there was like the nod of Lizette and her memory and stuff like that. And I wonder if it has to do with like her health or there's lots of nods to debt and bankruptcy in this. So I wonder if it's just like they lost money. So I'm curious mm-hmm. of, Maybe it was the Charlie incident. Yeah, maybe the Charlie incident. She's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out, but yeah, it's never really... We'll we'll be curious forever. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Who Uh, knows? But after this, you come to back in Dr. Truman's house. Uh, He has... you, You have woken up from your kind of passed out as he gave you the drugs, which I'm still, I don't remember what the, what the names of them were. Neriprothal. Neriprothal TM or something like that. Um, and now you have a, a, a glowing skeleton, like just like the individual mm-hmm. you saw in the play, which at this point I was... And the, and the dialogue confused. between you and Truman is like... This isn't my you, leg. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, there's a couple options. You're like, oh, I feel fine. It's one of the options. But the other one is like, this isn't my leg. I don't feel like this is the same. Like, what did you do? Did you change my leg and you at this point have not seen the fact that you have a skeleton leg it's just like oh right. well maybe you know something happened to us and then it pans out and suddenly you have a glowing 
gold skeleton leg attached to your body. Would you say he had a phantom pain? (laughs) Thank you. I'll be here all night, guys. This is why we. (laughs) This is why we're gonna get bad Apple reviews. (laughs) It's okay. You can read them in a fun accent if we do. Everybody wins. Yeah, you. So I I can't remember what dialogue options I got to get this, but Mm -hmm. but Truman was explaining that Conway's leg is now powered by the electric company. This was where the electric company came into it. It was like, oh yeah, your leg is your leg is powered by this electric company, and because I asked as Shannon, I asked Truman to explain the bill because he was right. he was explaining that there was a bill for the surgery, but the bill wasn't paid to him. We owed this power company money. Right, right. I remember yeah. that. I remember them talking about the bill was going to be like your next pa- your next electric electric bill was going to have the charge of this on it. But I didn't mm-hmm. put two and two together that his leg was being powered by the electric. Yeah. Company. So one of the dialogues I picked was basically that the way Conway has to pay off his debt is to prov- to basically generate electricity that then gets put back into the power company and sent through the grid to power all of their clients' houses and stuff. We're, we're slowly deviating into frog fraction levels of insanity right now. <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty crazy, but it was essentially like they almost like they're paying for this surgery so that now Conway is in debt to them and right. then they can essentially get free labor by having him produce the power. And then they can profit from that power that he has produced. And that is essentially pure profit. And that's how solar panels work. He's just a walking solar panel. Yeah. Solar panel companies will install them on homes for reduced rates. And then they take the profit from the electricity that's put back into the grid. And that's how they subsidize solar panels. Maybe they should start putting like solar power in prosthetics. And then when you get a prosthetic leg and you walk around, you power electricity. Unfortunately, (laughs) solar panels and your leg moving are not connected. But also that would be a very inefficient way of making electricity. I mean, you'd have to drag around the battery to store the power. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just like a, a, a solar power is on one leg, but like a chain and a battery tied to your other foot as you drag <laughs> it across, trying to generate power. But yeah, that was that was crazy because the reason I remembered it is because Harry had referenced it in the entertainment. He had referenced this this power company that were somehow tied to these people he sold the debt to, right? And so it kind of paints the idea of this like this company who are purely in the business of accumulating people's debt and profiting from it. You know, Conway, he had no choice but to be in debt to them. It's like, you know, you want your, you want your leg amputated. You, we can do it for you, but now you have to do this for us. Something tells me that for Conway. I uh, mean, Conway also didn't make that decision. Right. He was. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he tripped out didn't he, at the end of episode yeah, two. He, he, he like knocked down, and Truman's like, "Okay, I'm just like cutting off your leg and adding this skeleton leg, and now you're in debt." Well, he you're was never said that he cut anything off. He said he fixed his leg. The Neripperthal literally there, just turned his leg. Golden. There, there is less leg there than there was. Oh, before. that's true. Yeah, but maybe there was no surgery. Maybe like he he administered the these drugs, the and it's like, yeah, yeah. Or maybe Conway's just like high this whole time. This is just a big fever dream from the drugs. Anyway, and he dies. Our leg is Might fixed, be. and he dies from yeah. that. And then we're not limping anymore. And that's that's, that's mm-hmm. positive. And it's also no not the first. Lick. It's not the only time that we uh, inquire, acquire, not inquire, acquire debt in this uh, in this chapter. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. so 
no more spaghetti. Oh, God. Uh, and so, so um, yeah, go for it. now I was going to say, Ezra, Ezra tells us that, that Julian is still outside and can take us back to the museum. Right. Uh, where we, uh, I believe we left our truck. Yeah, yeah. Or, no, we needed to, yeah, we needed to, um, we need to go back to the Bureau because now we have the address that we got in that chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to go back to the bureau and essentially continue the hunt for Five Dogwood Drive. Right, right. But that that entails us hopping on Julian and going back to the Museum of Dwelling so we can hop back into our truck. Yes, that's yeah. correct, yeah. All right. I was like, you, you good? You're there. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so now we, we get back to the museum and we head towards our truck. I'm pretty sure there's some like discussion of whether or not like Conway should drive or not. At some point, I don't remember what options we chose to do this, but Shannon, and she does this a couple times in this act, goes on this big, like, long dialogue rant about her parents, talks about how her parents have, like, a history with medicine, that they were they were too poor to actually afford it. So her, her mom got, like, offhand medicine from other miners that were in the mine working with them. It was It was kind of wild. God, yeah. Yeah, she was talking about. Is it is that after the museum? Uh, I, be- yeah, I believe yes. so. Yeah, because it's as, you, as it's as you're heading towards your truck. Yeah. So in the in the museum, did you did you get the bit with Emily, Bob, and Ben that were standing in the doorway? No, I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, so there was the, basically you go, you go back to the museum and you're in that car park, right? Right. Right. And so you can run around the car park. And it's really weird because if you run to a certain point, eventually you stop controlling Conway and you start to control Ezra. Oh, sorry. Ezra, not Julian. Julian's a bird. (laughs) (laughs) There's a silhouette of Julian. You can see him like sitting on a... He's perched on like a post or something. Yeah, yeah. But if you run towards the front of the museum, you can get to the bottom of the stairs leading into the museum. And Emily, Bob and Ben the the trio that we are now familiar with from the mm-hmm. basement of the of the the gas station mm-hmm. and i believe we come across them in act 2 at some point as well yeah um but they are, they are having a conversation about how it's nighttime and they are going to enter the museum because nobody's there to stop them and conway's saying to them like oh if you want to get in like Ezra can get you in and then bob or Ben, I can't remember which one, but one of them hints at the fact that they can hear Conway. Interesting. And like one of them's like, "What did you just say?" And he's like, "I didn't, I didn't say anything." And he's like, oh, I, "I thought I heard you say something." Almost like you could hear like Conway's dialogue option. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And so he's Weird. he's saying, um, Emily says like, "We need to go in at night to see what's really in there because if we come back during the day when they're open, we're only going to see what they want us to see." almost as if this museum's hiding something. Right. And then Conway says something again, and Emily's like, no, we're, we're going in now. Yeah, because that's it, Conway. I said, oh, you can come back during the day when they're open. And Conway said that, and then Emily responded saying, no, we need to go in now. And Bob was like, I, I never said we couldn't. Like, let's go in. And she's like, what? No, you said come back. You're like, as if they can hear what Conway's saying, but they can't respond to him. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that was 
that was playing into this whole kind of thing that's been happening with this trio where we can engage with them, but almost as if we're not, almost as if it's like two realities that are crossing paths, but only we can react, like we can converse with them. Right. I was trying to think back at the conversation with them under the, the, the basement. And I was trying to think if there's any situation where they like heard us talking, but I don't think there, there was, they kind of just kept to themselves. And then we, grabbed the dice and went back they were gone yeah because that's that's why i thought initially they were ghosts but Mm. now because of that dialogue in the museum that's why i'm starting to lean more into this like parallel dimension kind of deal we're the ghost or we're the ghost that's what i did say sixth sense yeah or they're they're just observing us as we go through our adventure who's to say it's the truman show it's the nothing is real everything is real (laughs) (laughs) that's what i learned that's just that's just the theme to this game it's not about delivery trucks or anything like that no 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 No, it's everyone what is reality what is real exactly everyone's Um, in debt yeah so after we got to the museum i I just went straight to the truck i walked around as uh ezra a little bit and was confused why once you get close to julian or past julian you play as him because i didn't really find that i could do anything as ezra Um, did you not meet flora no. Oh, there's a there's a girl that you can interact with as Ezra. Um who has like a little like paper hat boat. Um and they have a conversation. She's like, Oh, well I'm gonna put this on the water and we'll see how far it goes. And she was like, Well watch it go away and I'll lean my head on your shoulder and it'll be really romantic. Oh um, Ezra. Uh we ran we ran all across the parking lot. Yeah, I could I we spent like a good ten minutes running around and being a base that we could yes, switch we just, between we did a as, job. <laughs> yeah we did a terrible job apparently because we didn't have either of these <laughs> there's only two to find one was at the very bottom and one's <laughs> oh, at the very I, top. I hear you I, yes uh interesting that's wild how old yeah. are we like thinking ezra is like, like 11 12 from? yeah i was thinking like sort of 12 13 ish probably because yeah. when, when we're in truman's house and you pull out he's like he's in a full suit like he's just like mm-hmm. the children can't be in full suit no i mean well, yes i mean like, never no, seen bugsy yes. malone what what you never seen bugsy malone no wow this oh seems my like God, a very guys. english specific <laughs> bugsy, bugsy malone. malone is is about um a boy called bugsy malone and basically the whole premise is that kids act as adults and there's like gans in new york but when they shoot guns it's like cream pies and they have the the 1930s style cars that they have to pedal to power. It's it's a musical. Um, it's a musical now too. Yeah, it's a musical. Yeah, it's a great movie. Look into it. That's my wreck for oh, for this episode. Bugsy really Malone it has Jodie Foster in it. Yeah, she plays oh, Tallulah. When you brought this up, I thought this was like an animated thing. No, no, no. This is like pure, pure real people acting. It's like one of the first big roles that Jodie Foster had, I think, before. Yeah, she did this, and then she did Taxi Driver after. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah. Right. Children Great can movie. wear suits, is what we what Great we movie. They have Tommy guns that shoot cream pies. It's, it's amazing. I mean, that just sounds like a great I mean, time. That's just, you know, what's what's there to miss? Is it a banana cream yeah. pie? <laughs> oh my god, focus. Because that would be great. But yes, uh, um, Ezra, I, I, I would have put him at 12, but he's very... Yeah. He... he comes across as very mature yeah you know no when i was 12 i wasn't looking for for 
a girl to rest her head on my shoulder romantically as we watch her. No, that that's was... all I was looking for. As well. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, that's what happens when you grow up without parents and your brother's a giant bird. So. Yeah, you, you, you tend to mature pretty quickly. <laughs> you, you grow up fast. I mean, he, she was probably impressed by his huge bird, if anything. Wow. That was not That was a weird way to say that. That was he's way a, too, he's, like, he's subtly sexual. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, once you, you leave. get to, Yeah, well, you leave, but you have some options of where to go. I'm pretty sure that the outcome is the same regardless, but uh, Shannon talks about, like, hey, we should, like, go head to the bureau and, and get our stuff done. And the other option is, like, you know, let's grab a bite to eat. We've been through a lot. Let's get some food. And that's the option, actually, that we took. We're just like, let's grab, let's grab a bite to eat. And let's, let's, let's not, let's take a chill pill for a second, you know? Okay. Um, and as you leave almost, you know, immediately as you're back onto the map and you start moving forward, uh, the car breaks down. Yeah. See, now this is what interested me because I chose to go straight to the bureau. I was like, you right. know what, Conway's legs fixed, you know, we're on a train. Let's just keep this train going. Mm-hmm. And so I wondered if maybe my decision forced it to, you know, it, I thought maybe it was like an alternate story point or something. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you got there as well was like, okay. See, I, and sense. I thought the same thing. I thought like, oh, I deviated from the main road. And because of that, now our car broke down and we're stuck in this thing. You break down either way. It's like you break down we, regardless. <laughs> what we learned. And there's, there's a big old uh, icon of Julian flying around. Yeah, he's circles following us above the, the museum. Can Julian go to the zero? Can we just ride Julian to the zero? That'd be pretty dope. Yeah. What's stop? What's stopping him? Air. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Uh, we end up calling a uh, tow company. Yes. You're given some options, I believe. You're given three different options of yeah. who you can call, and we ended up calling mm-hmm. Lucky Boot Towing. Yeah, that was cool. same. Oh my gosh. Oh, see, they were the local ones, so I thought, you know, local, they'll get here quickest, you know. Yeah. They seemed reliable. Yeah. And you do you do some dialogue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you do some dialogue options as Shannon's on her phone. Like you you're playing almost as the guy on the other side of the phone and what, you know, tone his response is. There's not an actual Yeah, response. you don't get to select a dialogue, you just get to select how he responds. It'll just be like operator and it's like pensive. It'll just have like options like that, and then that'll have a different response from Shannon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to. It, it was weird. It seemed almost as if because the, the 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 idea is they're open twenty three hours a day, mm-hmm. um, which is a very specific number of hours to be open. It really but, is. Um, it came across almost as if Shannon had woke this person up. Well, that was the hour that they had before they had to start the next shift, and just yeah, because at the beginning the options are like tired, confused, or angry, some sort of like <laughs> thing. Like I know. That. We we tried to do like the you know the the happy the nice the nice approach but there was that yeah, option where yeah. he's just like okay he seems to be pissed off regardless we of went with issues. tired yeah which then i think shannon was like oh oh did i wake you I'm like you're well, calling in the middle of the night so 23 hours yeah. a day <laughs> yeah I, I started with that he was when i was doing it he was a bit angry and then um towards the end he become i think one of the options i picked was neighborly mm-hmm. yeah um and the, Essentially, what he says is like, okay, we'll be there soon to to pick you up and, and tow you away. Um, and so now it's just the waiting game. Yeah. Well, also, we our car had broke, broken down, but we're also parked in front of this large tree that has collapsed kind of in the road. Yes. Kind of hit, yeah. the, hit the telephone wire that's gone down. So not only are we like broken down, but it's this big tree kind of 
on the side of the road here. <laughs> one of the options, um, she was like, oh, I don't know how to explain where we are. And I picked one of the options and she was like, yeah, that's that's a perfect way to describe it. The big tree mm-hmm. that fell down. <laughs> it must be a well-known thing around here. People are just like, oh yeah, the big tree? Yeah, just, just turn I mean, right there. Previously in the game, we used the forever burning tree. As that's a, true, as a marker. <laughs> as a marker, so I'm sure people know. As you wait, you can kind of have some, you can talk to Ezra and Shannon. Uh, I went and played 20 questions with Ezra and got it right. It turns out that it was a puzzle. We played 20 questions and got the answer right. It's a puzzle that Julian had found at the bus station. Yeah, it wasn't... It, 20 questions is usually no, it a was general like, it was thing. Like six questions. <laughs> yeah, it was six questions, and Ezra chose a very specific puzzle that he found at a, <laughs> at a bus station. At a bus wow. station. So he found, yeah. I, I'm guessing at the same bus shelter that he was not abandoned, but like he was left. Hmm. I guess that's technically abandoned. <laughs> yeah, that's abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Because I, 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 he was like, oh, do you want to play 20 questions? I was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Me being like, okay, this kid needs, we're in like this crap situation. Like, I'll go entertain the kid. That's just like my mindset. And I was like, I'll play 20 questions with you. And Ben's just like, nah, fuck off. I have things to do. I have to sit here <laughs> I was trying to fix the truck, wait man. for a tow truck to appear. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, like, I went and talked to Shannon. And yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm still reeling from the fact that, that Julian was at a bus show. Yeah, which is, it's wild. I mean, like, like you said, he wasn't necessarily abandoned because his parents' stuff was all there. They just disappeared. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm trying to work out. Not. I didn't want to say necessarily that he was abandoned because right. we don't know that his parents weird. left. Something happened to them, maybe. Or right. or he's a ghost, too. And him and Julian are dead. And his parents <sighs> maybe. just had to move on. Like, as always, all equally equally <laughs> viable. Equally, li- yeah. Yeah. All, all, all equally these... likely and also equally not likely. All so. these crazy theories are all very plausible and can definitely happen because of things that we've seen. Then Shannon falls back down memory lane again, uh, giving us a long-winded story about maps that she would read in her car as a child. We pulled out a map and she was like, oh yeah, I remember when I was a kid and I would sit in the backseat and read maps. No one asked you, Shannon. I was like, Shannon, I don't care. (laughs) Trying to wait for this tow truck to get here. It's like, it's your dumb map story. (laughs) See, I didn't get any of that. I... I was trying to fix the the truck with Shannon and we was looking mm. at like the spark plugs and stuff. And then that was when June bug was just like, Vroom. I remember that. We, we tried to fix the track and we had no idea what we were doing. And then you, uh, you end up switching to the, the all interesting June bug yeah. on a well, motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're on the side of the road as Conway and, and, and the crew and this motorcycle zips past you. Mm-hmm. And then it changes from kind of this, this front-facing camera of a motorcycle heading towards you, and now you're at you're you're choosing dialogue options for Junebug and the individual that's sitting in her sidecar of her motorcycle, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is is interesting. They, and they're on their way to play the gig mm. at the bar that you played in the opening of this. Yeah, this is what tripped me out the most. <laughs> right at this point, because the whole point of the entertainment was this: this place was supposed to be a play, but now the game is insinuating that the bar is an actual place that they're heading towards. Yeah, because she references she references Harry by name, right? As well, she's talking about how Harry's a bit of a stickler with money sometimes, and he might not pay them if there's not enough people there. Um, because essentially, what's happening is. Johnny is in the sidecar and Johnny is trying to convince Junebug to go back and help Conway and Shannon. Right. 
Um, and personally, I wanted to go back and help them, mm-hmm. but I decided to to test the game. Oh, interesting. Mm. And see if I could stop Junebug and Johnny from going to them. Um, and there was lots of options about, you know, how Johnny would be like, oh, yeah, but the kindness of our heart. And Junebug would say, like, oh, they've ca- I'm sure they've called a tow truck. You know, we're already late. We yeah. can't wait any longer. Um, right. But ultimately, there was no way for me to stop Junebug going gotcha. back. Yeah, I, I, I was curious about that because... Our, all our decisions were like, yeah, we should probably go help these people. Yeah. And we turned around. And but I was curious of what you did and if there was an option where you could show up to the bar. But I, I'm assuming that that had to happen because when we're in the play and we're, we're, when we're watching the play, Junebug never shows up. So there must have been a reason why, at least at that time, Junebug had never showed up or why she was extremely late in the first place, which was to help us with our car. Yeah, I was just... I, I was like... I wanted to help them, but I thought, you know what? Because I was, I was wondering. We made the compa- comparison before about like the Telltale games and how yeah. um, fins diverge off, but then they ultimately come back together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be the case with this. But I, I, I'm not yeah. mad with this, to be honest, because it's not like in the Telltale games you're choosing between two characters and who lives and who dies. But in this, it's like, oh yeah, I'll help them. <laughs> yeah, in this game, it seems like the there's kind of the main story that stays relatively the same regardless of your dialogue options but you get more insight into different characters backstories meet different characters if you do if you dive deeper into some different dialogue options Mm -hmm. but it seems like overall like this main story like we've experienced pretty much the same things except for us you know blatantly missing things from the beginning and because we're incapable right because we're incapable but it seems like the main (laughs) story stays pretty much the same yeah, it's like, but I wouldn't. It's strange because the the even though it's the main story, it's almost mm. like the backdrop to everything else that's happening. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, mm. okay, we're looking for five Dogwood Drive, but in the meantime, there's all this batshit crazy stuff that's happening, and then ever so often the game's like, oh yeah, by the way, you do have a delivery you're supposed to be making. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just a reminder, there is that delivery. Also, is there like a is, it, is there a time frame for this delivery? Is this person going to be upset that our delivery was like Bro, you know a week long? Excuse me, you you know how long the the, it's true, that's the true. shop's closing, and also I we've ordered furniture and it has taken yeah six months to get here. So what did what did you order that almost took a year to get here? The table. Oh yeah, our coffee table in our living room. It was like it's like ten months. Took like an insane amount of time. So don't worry, he's he's yeah. he is ahead of schedule. Maybe those people delivering our furniture were also going to a dive bar with uh, bikers and driving through a magical cave. I hope it so. might be that Conway is getting paid by the mile, and so <laughs> he's all always just like his sweet time. <laughs> <laughs> in circles. Oh no, my car broke down. <laughs> Must be the last delivery. He's hoping to like salvage something from this. Like you said, he's getting that retirement money from yeah. his uh, mileage off his truck. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, one of the one of the reasons also that Junebug was kind of you know enticed more to go back and help is he's like, oh well, we can have them come to our show because they needed people. It, I mean, from hearing hers and Johnny's conversation, it seems like not many people show up to their gigs. So they're kind of like, hey, you know, the more people the merrier. If we can help these people, they'll come by and you know stay at our watch our show and stuff like that yeah 
which is wild. It's a justification for helping people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it's, Junebug's a strange character because yeah. I, as much as I sort of love them, they are also like really fucking self-centered and egotistical mm-hmm. in that typical cliche lead singer of a band way. You know, like my dialogue options were that Junebug didn't want to help them. But then as soon as Johnny pointed out, they could be in the audience and they would get paid for having people She's in the like, audience. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Like a self-serving kind of right. ideology. But yeah. Did good deeds to eventually have benefit her in the long run. Exactly. Yeah. But you eventually Junebug does come back and uh, I believe she actually does fix the truck. Yeah. She helps us with the truck. And uh, we make our way to to the lower depths. I think it was called. Yeah, we actually had did a pit stop before we went to the lower depths. We stopped back off at the Equus Oil to check on check up on Joseph. I was curious of what you know. Oh, I didn't think to do that because I went past it on the map. Yeah, because we've met with a lot of people that say they've they've you know known Joseph. So I was like, let's see how he's doing. Let's see what what he's up to. So there wasn't a lot. In regards to Joseph, that happened here when we pulled up. We told him that, hey, we met Lula. You've talked about Lula before. And he was like, and the only thing he said was, oh, did she say anything about me? And you have one dialogue option that says, no, she didn't really mention you. Or another one that says, yeah, she said that she like was in love with you or something like that. Uh, we chose <laughs> we chose the option of saying like, oh, no, she didn't say anything about you. Yeah. <laughs> and then Joseph's like, he's, he seems very upset about that answer. He's like, oh, yeah, that. That sounds like that sounds well. Like it was a long. Time. He says it's a long time ago. Anyway, yeah. it was a long time ago. Anyway, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Joseph, <laughs> you poor <laughs> blind old man." Yeah, and then we went and played some computer games. Yeah, cool. Because what we said are like one of our options was from Ezra, and he asked Joseph if there was any games on his computer. And you remember from before you had done that option, Ben, and there was none. But mm. Joseph had said like his niece had come by or something and put a bunch of games on his computer. So we went over to the computer to see, you know, what kind of games there were. And there was two games, one of them called Psychotherapist mm-hmm. and the other one called Play Sports Medicine Professional. Yep. <laughs> Play Sports Medicine Professional 1997. Right, 1997. Sorry, sorry. And I, I don't remember, what was Psychotherapist about? I just, Psychotherapist, you literally play, so the computer, which I think this is a real game or mm-hmm. was part of some collegiate study of so the psychotherapist program asks you questions mm-hmm. and you answer them and it will give you uh like a solution to your problems so it was like oh are you having trouble sleeping mm-hmm. uh and then it just got super weird and very specific with its questions and i don't remember the exact dialogue but nothing really came out of it it was just yeah. like a silly aside to the game where you got to play the psychotherapist game. But the play sports medicine professional I feel like didn't have anything to do with sports medicine. Like I remember you had like a character and his, like, he was a hiker and he would be like, what he does professionally and like, what do you want to do? And it was like, go into the forest, like go to well, the I'm city I'm assuming the way you win the game is becoming a sports medicine professional. Maybe. Because it's like, you start in college and then you're like, should I study? Oh yeah. Should yeah. I go into the forest or should I go to a party? And then you have to choose the right amount of options to get you to become a sports medicine professional. I think we became like a clerk at like a grocery store at the end. So yeah, <laughs> anyway, the games, I don't think have any effect on the, on the broader game. They're just an experience you can have 
Uh, like we were saying, it didn't change the main story, but it was just like, oh, there's this kind of cool side thing that happened. And then we got some kind of closure between Joseph and Lula, or at least Joseph got some closure. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's cool to see that something that came up in episode one is being addressed later on. Right. Like right. you just need that right thing to trigger it. Right. Uh, but after that, we did head to the lower depths bar, which again, it's weird that this is a physical, tangible place because when we experienced this in the beginning, it was a stage play. Like it was just a stage that we were participating in. And it makes me wonder if like, was that stage like based off of real events that happened? Is that what it was entailing? Or I don't know. Yeah, because even the, you know, the barman is the same. It's Harry and he, you get there and, and Junebug and Johnny are like, where is everyone? And Harry's like, they're gone, which is what happens towards the end of the entertainment. Harry tells them that they need yeah. to leave because the reckoning is the coming. The reckoning is coming and we get there and everyone is gone, meaning that this reckoning had happened and there's those people are no longer here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. I'm sure it will come up eventually, but I, I couldn't piece together, you know, was the play based on what happened at the bar? Are or, we just in a play? You know, yeah, exactly. What? Well, even more what? interesting, when they talk about the play, it's there's no written dialogue to the play. The actors are given, like, cues, and they just yeah. have to come up with the dialogue, so it's even more confusing. It's not like it could have been written like about a certain moment and about yeah. certain characters because the actors are supposed to come up with the dialogue on the spot to talk about. So yeah, it's even more confusing. It was so weird. But yeah. a- after this, as we get, Oh, one thing that I wanted to point out because the entire time that we've been with Junebug and Johnny, it did have been like in their motorcycle or them just standing next to us on the side of the road. But once we get into the bar, I don't know if you noticed this, but they make, this mechanical robotic noise when they walk. Yes. I wondered what like the fuck that. that was. And I was like, oh my God, they're androids. They're androids. They're robots. I mean, that's not, I didn't know that for sure, but. I didn't notice it in the bar. I noticed it uh, later on in, in one of the further scenes. But I heard that when I was walking around the bar, because I talked to Ezra and he was, he was playing with the jukebox or uh, was it a jukebox or was it a... Yeah, it's a jukebox. Yeah, yeah a jukebox. he was playing with a jukebox. He was like, I don't know how to play this game. Yeah, he said, I don't know how to play this game. But as I was moving around, Junebug and Johnny would kind of like tra- trail behind me and they would be making that like robotic noise as they moved. And I was like, oh my God, these, these guys are robots. Androids. Or androids, sorry. It's crazy. Humanoid. I didn't mean to assume. That, that's <laughs> that was the end of my sentence. Oh, okay. There's supposed to be a period. Assume, there, but Period. And then begins uh, Junebug and Johnny's concert. This this was the best part of the entire act three. Hundred percent, a hundred. It comes out of le- it comes out of left field because you uh, they they go on the stage and it kind of like the the whole room darkens and then the ceiling starts to float away and this this starry night with shooting stars going back and forth is now visible of where the ceiling was. Junebug is in this long blue dress and. And Johnny's in this like, I don't know, he's like a fedora, and he's playing like a guitar or something like that. Uh, yeah, they turn into like eighties synthesizer stars. Uh, June Beck has like green hair and that. Yeah, like, yeah. and I was thinking that okay, they're gonna like play this little tune, but then like actual like vocals started coming in, and then, uh, a person was actually singing, and it was it was a beautiful song. And you got to select the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say not just that this this song was apparently one that. Junebug and Johnny stole from somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, they overheard a woman singing the song in a bar, 
and they said to her you know we really like the song and basically said you know we're going to play it um and so it's it's a song in their repertoire that they didn't necessarily create and i'm curious we have we've we've keep having this conversation of how like the game differs and changes and stuff like that. I'm wondering how different your song, depending on the lyrics you chose were from ours. I mean, we won't ever know. be able to know. I mean, like we can tell you the, I wrote down the lyrics that we chose, but the song might sound different, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm curious because I mean, mine, mine was to do with heartbreak. Um, the idea, I can't remember the, ch- the options I chose because yeah. I was I was too engrossed in the moment to, to write yeah. down. I, I quickly mm. jotted them down. It's kind of like you choose like every, I don't know, like every other section of the song, you'll choose like one well, part the of verses. the verses. You choose the first, yeah, you, you choose, choose the, the first verses. line of each verse. And right. then the chorus, yeah. I'm assuming for both of us was the same. And the, the, you get that three times. So the first time, the, the first option I chose was when you left me, and then the second one was as long as you were gone, and then the third one was after years. I know I am bound to my fate. Mm-hmm. And those were the. Three. I think I picked the same two as you, but the third one, uh-huh. I picked something about how it was too late to love them. Mm. Um, the, the the whole theme of the song is that it's a a woman who has lost her love, but now further down the line she has gotten over her love and is basically saying, you know, there's, there's no way we're going to get back together. That was the impression I got from, from the song. Yeah. It was beautiful. I would listen to that song. It was amazing. Absolutely yeah, amazing. Was, just, they need a Spotify track of that. I'm sure there is. I imagine so. Yeah. Sure get it on vinyl. It. Yeah. I wonder if that's <laughs> on the Kentucky Red Zero uh, vinyl track. I, well, there's like been, we're three X in and there's been like three songs and you got to fill an album with something. So I'm sure, I'm sure that it's on there. <laughs> There was one fin in that song that stood out to me because I had to Google it. So there was um, one of the lines used a word called lamentation. I had never heard of this before. I was like, what the fuck is lamentation? So I Googled it. And so apparently it's, yeah, it's the passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Mm-hmm. But it has a second meaning. Mm-hmm is so in the entertainment there was lots of references to the bible harry and evelyn were talking about how dinosaurs can't have existed because they wouldn't have gotten to noah's ark and there was lots of you know the reckoning is like a a biblical sounding event you know um and lamentation is actually a book of the bible right it's a book of the bible that talks about the desolation of judah after the fall of jerusalem so I, I thought that was quite cool because you've got this like book that tells about, you know, this kind of city falling and we've got this like antique store that's closing down. And this game is way too bad for me. <laughs> yeah. These like biblical references. I was like, wow, that's that's kind of crazy. To... Wow, that, that, was a, that was a good catch. I didn't, I didn't, I was, yeah. I was way too engrossed by the sound to even catch it. Was only, it was only that one word because I've heard lament before, but I was like, you know, is lamentation like what does it mean in this, in this context? In this context. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, that's when it, like, Google was like the second meaning was a biblical reference about the fall of a city. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. That's wild. That's crazy. Um, but after 
the beautiful performance by Junebug and Johnny, they head to Harry and they're like, oh, like, yeah, we like want our money now. Like we brought you people to listen to this and brought you people into your bar and everything. And he says that he actually doesn't have any money. He tells them that, you know, the bar is not doing so well because he had all this debt and he was giving people drinks for free. He had, uh, we assume that he turned these people's debts into the, uh, was it the, the hard, hard boys? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. The hard boys. Yeah. 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 And they actually didn't give him any money for that. They gave him an IOU. So he gives that to um, Junebug. Junebug and Johnny. And now they have to go cash that IOU in. Which is in our inventory. Yes. Which is interesting, though, because that is... You have to suggest that to right. Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of options where you can be like, oh, well, if he doesn't have any money, then, you know, whatever. But I was like, no, I want this IOU. Like, right. I, I want to go <laughs> visit this place. I want the last thing that Harry has in this world. <laughs> Man has nothing to live for. Wife is dead. Bar is underwater. And we're like, no, give, give, me give your us IOU. the IOU. We want your money too. Because we played one song <laughs> to four people we brought who didn't buy any drinks. So yeah, <laughs> these are all very reasonable. You just walked in, listened to a song, and then walked out. <laughs> yeah. Very reasonable. Uh, well, I think I think you go up to Harry and ask for a drink, and you ask for like water or something. He's like, "I only have part time whiskey," and you're like, "Oh, I'm good." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, "I'm good." Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I tried to get coffee. He was like, "I've only got whiskey," and I was like, eh, "I'm driving. I shouldn't." Right. Shouldn't. Shouldn't do that. Uh, that's yeah. That's that's wild. But luckily enough that we have to take the zero to get to this place, which is where we need to go to get back to the Bureau anyway. Uh, so we're like, hey, we let's just skirt, skirt and do this little side trip real quick and then we can head back to the Bureau. And then you end up at a broken bridge, yes. which is the perfect metaphor for my understanding of this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's one thing that was interesting, um, which well, was Harry's directions. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Because weird... I think Kai brought it up originally um, about this link between like televisions and radio and stuff and yeah. that being the portal to the zero because of the way that act one ends. Um, and Harry tells you that you need to tune the radio to a station where something sounds familiar, but strange. Mm-hmm. And then you need to listen to it. And as soon as it cuts out, you need to immediately U-turn and go back the other way. And that's how you enter the zero. And the sound actually ended up being the sound of horses. Well, sort of. Sort of. That's what that's that's what the game prompts you and yeah. tells you. Uh, I wouldn't if I heard that sound, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, that's a field of horses." And then I think they say, yeah. like, "Was it was it Charlie that owned horses? Is that what that was? I don't know." Yeah, you get the option of so the sound comes on, and you get two options. One is that. Um, you and Lysit used to watch horses race right? or something like that. And then the other one is that you and Charlie used to ride horses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I went with the Lysit option. Mm. Um, I think we did the same thing. But yeah, Charlie is referenced. After you do that, you, like he says, you immediately turn around and then you're on this bridge accosted by these group of horses that are just, they're just chilling there. Mm-hmm. And then the, the screen fades and you enter the zero. Back at the zero. Uh, <laughs> you come back out of this bridge and the bridge has been broken. There's no way of, of continuing across this bridge. But there's this long path that leads up to the top of this mountain. 
that you're going to try to find a way of getting getting across the bridge. And by path, he means man-made bridge made it's of like a like wooden wood bridge. and scraps. Yeah, it's very similar to um to like when scaffolders put scaffolding on the side of a building and they lay those planks yeah. down for people to walk on. It was kind of like that, just going up and down. Up a mountain, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I also realized how much more of Act 3 there is. I realized we're just here, and it's like, wow, that's crazy. There's so much happens in this Act, game. Act 3 is long. Yeah. Uh, so, did, you, did you notice as you're going up, because you, you go up to the top, but on the way there are things you can interact with. Yeah, there's like random, I don't uh, remember the objects. random objects, but like... Yeah, it was like a backpack and a tape recorder. A lantern with no batteries. But what's crazy is that those are landmarks on the Zero. Oh, I didn't even put those together. When you, later after this happens, a bit further down the line, you go back onto the Zero. Um, And as as I was going through the Zero, it was like, the lantern. I was like, okay. And then it was like, the backpack. Because as you're going along that circle of the zero, there are all these landmarks and you, you know, sometimes you stop at one of them and then you go back the other way and they're kind of how you navigate the zero. Yeah, Yeah, but these items that were on this boardwalk um, were actually landmarks on the zero. Interesting, I didn't put that together. I mean, later on you find out that there's some significance to these things because they're all, you know, reminiscent of objects that lula had but yeah i didn't i didn't put that together that their landmarks on the zero yeah it's wild hmm. yeah so you you get to the top of this uh to the top of this mountain ah yes the hall of the mountain king yep and there's a large giant fire <laughs> burning in the center not just burning burning old computers that are no longer usable <sighs> yeah this game just gets even crazier as we continue Mm -hmm. so you're you're in this giant cave structure thing we'll call it the hall of the mountain king uh and there's a giant fire in the middle and then there are a bunch of new characters you're introduced to so some existing characters but characters that we're us as conway are meeting for the first for the first time correct so a lot of these are we find out are lula's colleagues the ones that we, we heard the story before in Act 1, I believe, of Lula and her colleagues in this cave, and then two of them left and one stayed behind. Donald stayed behind, and that he's here with other people that he had hired to kind of continue their project. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go around and talk to them. There's a character named Amy, and she tries to, like, gauge why all of you are here and kind of just, like, calls you out on all your, like, selfish reasons why you're, you're yeah. going to the Zero. <laughs> yeah, mine... I don't know what she gave you. Mine were all wildly wrong. Ours are pretty accurate to why why everyone was there. <laughs> yeah. Really? Well, do you remember mm. what she said? Nope. <laughs> Not specifically. So mine was like, I mean, I've literally just finished playing this before we recorded. So um, on mine, she said that Shannon was traversing the zero to find a love of hers. Mm-hmm. But Conway was in love with Shannon, but Shannon didn't know. Uh, but then secretly, Junebug was also in love with Shannon, and there was like some weird love triangle going on. Oh, weird. Yeah, I don't think we got that. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, no, that's not correct. And she was like, haha, I'm just joking. Don't worry. <laughs> or, Ben, or is it correct? 
who knows honestly I reckon Conway and Shannon are they're definitely becoming a bit closer in their in their time yeah, together yeah. they've been through as, some shit as they go through this um, eventually you get around to talk to Donald and he kind of tells you that this is this is his new his like his, his workplace this cave and they're throwing computers in there and they're scraping mold the cave mold off the walls or off the computers or something that's well that's not those are the the hard boys who are doing that or the the strangers as they're right. called by Donald you're right what right. Donald's Donald's research is he's creating a, a simulation within a computer and that's always been his his goal and the idea is that it it was the most complex like algorithm of reality that had ever existed and mm-hmm. then mold continued to grow on the computer and creating new synapses and new pathways in the computer uh, and eventually it ended up being uh, destroyed by the amount of mold um, and then I mean we'll get into more as we go through this but Donald's perception of what is happening in these strangers as this negative force right um, who comes in and ruins his equipment and they ruin the computer which is called right. Xanadu right uh, and the well, he, he tells us that, like, he's like, if you guys want to go try to fix the computer, you can go try yeah. and head over there and try to use Xanadu, but it's all in this very broken language. Lots of yeah. symbols and you can kind of make out some words, but a lot of it's kind of these, this broken text that you can't decipher. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. This whole, the whole reality of this game and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, So you... You basically, Donald says to you, you know, Xanadu's broke. Um, you can go and try and look at it if you want, see if you can get it working. Um, but he's like, you know, it's broken, nothing's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you boot up Xanadu and it's not speaking coherently. Correct. Um, it's speaking like instead of saying a word, it'll be like a couple of letters and some symbols and mm-hmm. you can kind of piece together what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this becomes like a weird point and click text based adventure game. Very briefly. Um, does, does that happen after or before we go to the, no. So there's, there's a bit where Xanadu screen, yeah, so Xanadu's screen starts to um these lines appear and it shows like a brick house. Mm-hmm. Um and you you tell Ton, uh, Conway to type in house and Xanadu says something, it mentions Lula, um and then Xanadu breaks again and you can't get it to work. Mm-hmm. You go back and talk to Donald and Donald's like, Oh yeah, that brick house, that's where the strangers come from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a graveyard. Uh, you you know, go and see them. Maybe they know how to get Xanadu working again, which is what prompts you to go to the graveyard. Right. He says something about like if you crawl through this like cave or something, you'll get there once the crystals turn to mud or something. You'll you'll be at the right location, and then you pop out of this little this little shed into a graveyard. Is this is this where Shannon tells us she has a degausser? And, yes. Yeah, which mm. so the degausser changes the magnetic field surrounded by electronic components and tries to realign them. So if there's any stray like anti-magnetism, you can align it and that will stop affecting the computer, mm. uh, which does not work. Well, sort of works. It works for a moment, as Ben said. It's kind of how we 
right. fix it for a second, but it, it doesn't actually fix Xanadu. Xanadu continues to be out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know what's interesting? There's a, there's a, this is so random. On Photoshop, right, when you're editing pictures, mm-hmm. you can add a Gaussian blur and yeah. it will blur the entire image. Right. So it's like a de-gausser is de-blurring it and making it clearer. Clearer, right? Interesting. It's a it's a real tool in. Uh... It's real tool. I thought it was made up. I thought it was no, it, no. It's a real thing in um, like electric engineering, electrical right. engineering. Interesting. Um, I believe it's also the tool that they use to clear magnetic tapes. So back in the ye old days when you had reel to reel tapes you could throw them on a degausser and it will clear them because it'll remove the magnetism, which is how those uh, metallic tape works. So fun fact of the day. She just happens to carry one of those around with her. (laughs) Just in her pocket. Yeah. We got our fun science fact with Kai. But you you show up in this graveyard and there is this large uh, church building there as well. And Shannon and Conway said, like, we should go inside and investigate. And Ezra doesn't seem to want to go in the building. So Junebug and Ezra stay outside. Uh, Shannon and Conway head in. But you are now playing as Ezra walking around this graveyard. Uh, And now there's lots of prompts to look at the various gravestones that are in the graveyard. And all of them are certain individuals and then, like, a flavor profile. Mm -hmm. Which... So you're it's looking at you're looking at these tombstones and the name of the person and their information is on them, but then written in white chalk is a cask number, and as well as the flavor profile matching that tombstone, which is either they're putting whiskey they're, they're using in the whiskey coffins or they're using the people in them yeah. to make the whiskey. And some of them are pleasant. There's like, oh, this has a good finish, and some of them are like tastes like formaldehyde <laughs> yeah right which is not great so yeah this kind of gives the it's implying that they're either like you said they're either making this whiskey in the graves or these people are somehow being used in the whiskey yeah and i mean we we had heard over you know the conversation with harry that the hard times whiskey people do something there's lots of rumors around the way that they make their whiskey and different things, but it's never been spoken. Right. So the assumption is, is that they may be nefariously using dead bodies to, <laughs> oh, to manufacture their whiskey. Hey, hard times, man. Hard times whiskey. Yeah. Uh, during this as well, um, Shannon and Conway go into uh, a building to the right. But we don't actually we don't, know that. We never yeah. see, well, we see them go in there. We, just we don't, don't see what, what happens. happens in there. They just come running out and they're like, okay, it's time to go. Yeah, they're like, we got, we got what we needed. Uh, let's get out of here. And they seem a little spooked and, and like something intense happened in there, but we don't see. So then we re-navigate our way back to the to the hall of the, the Mountain King. Mm-hmm. And we... Fix Xanadu. We fix Xanadu. And we learned that they gave us... Uh, code to type in that yeah. will fix xanadu it, i think i don't know if it tells it now or before but it, it ended up being that like uh donald just forgot the password well to xanadu. it's interesting because when you get back from this you're given three options to say how to fix xanadu because oh, you, right. you you talk to donald and you say we we met the strangers and they gave us the way to fix xanadu and there's three options there's you can have a passcode there's you have to remove the mold from the crystal uh, like structure and there's one other thing do you remember what that was ben i do not know 
Okay. Like, I don't know it, it's another here. it's it's another like separate option. Right. And we chose that it's a password that you have to type in, which is something like I want to go home or I don't know. Oh, it was like oh, it was like I, dome air or something. Yeah, dome air. Really dome, dome, dome in air. Dome in air. It, yeah. Dome in air. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you you type in dome in air in Xanadu, and Xanadu miraculously kicks to life. And now all the text is perfectly uh, readable. Well, it's, well, it's not even text anymore, right? It's the it's the little cabin in yeah, the yeah. It, it's woods. it's the little cabin, but the the computer does have dialogue that it says, and now you can understand the dialogue yeah. of the computer. So yeah, for, the, for, yeah. for the first time, you actually look into like the camera angle changes, and you zoom in closer to Xanadu as you're playing through this part than you were previously when it was all fragmented. Mm-hmm. Right. And essentially, this is like. Uh, simulation like you said ben, this is a text adventure game right this is a text adventure game yeah uh as you stated before ben the screen clicks on and there's a little shed if you go in there you can grab a lantern um and then you leave there and head into a forest and this is when you realize that you are living the the situation of donald uh joseph mm-hmm. yeah and lula and lula and they're we heard the story back in Act One of them exploring this case system, and so now you're, you're living that through Xanadu in this kind of first-person. You're playing as adventure. Donald, correct? That's who mm-hmm. you represent yeah. in this adventure, right. and then around you is Joseph and Lula. Yeah. And so you, sorry, as I say, you make your way into the forest, um, and you you encounter a hole. I don't know if there's anything before there because I no, I don't think so. Accidentally well, it, got there quite quickly. It, all it is is that you, you pick so, you, so you say i want to go into the forest and you end up typing like go into the forest and the game's like i don't understand that you have to pick like you can't go into the forest you you're in the forest and it says you have to pick a direction and so then you choose north east south or west that's um, it yeah and, yeah and then you learn quickly that it's a puzzle yeah that you have to get through this forest and so you type in a series of directions i'm assuming depending on how you do it uh, we actually ended up playing through this twice because we took a break at this point and it just resets you back to the beginning of when you had to do this. Yeah. Um, so you eventually, after you solve the puzzle, which there is really no answer, you just kind of have to guess at random directions. You come upon the hole. Uh, and then if you decided to grab the lantern, you can shine the lantern down the hole and learn that you can't see anything anyway. Exactly. Uh, you can see black mold. Yeah. You can see black mold and it, you don't know how, really how deep it is. And, and you can yell and you can yell down the hole. Uh, and then we decided to tie a rope around a tree yeah, and then and and enter the, the dark black hole of Into existence. bed quilt. Into bed, bed quilt. quilt. Yeah. So now, now we're in bed quilt, which is this large series of caves. Um, and, you know, everyone starts setting up their equipment. Yeah, throughout this text, you can kind of, not, not side with, but you can lean towards helping Joseph or Lula more. And that plays into part... At, later in this too yeah and for those Um, of you who have listened to the previous episodes this is the moments from the recordings that you listen to in limits and demonstrations when you listen to the art piece of the the tapes lined across this big wall right and this was the story that this is this is directly referencing that moment right yeah i think it's just before isn't it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i wanted to point out that joseph has an adorable kitten that's it we don't know if it's adorable. This That's sex adventure. He has, a kitten. <laughs> he has a kid. He has a kid. It could be an ugly. It could cat, be an ugly kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you essentially are trying to make your way through these through these tunnels, 
Um, and what will happen is every time you enter a new area, um, this like text will appear on Xanadu saying like tunnels or bed quilt or whatever, showing that you're entering a new area. Right. And then it will, much like a text-based adventure, it will explain to you what's nearby and you'll get a certain amount of options. Um, did you guys find anything in the tunnels before you made it to to the crystal room? Because I I didn't personally. I, I, I don't think, think so either. No. I think most of the situation is, again, having conversations with either Joseph and Lula, and you get a little more uh, insight into their kind of relationships. And then you, you can tell, because from the, the text that we had heard from the from the art museum there's kind of this tension between the three of them you can kind of already tell that even before that big the both big of thing them that love lula yeah that's kind of what i what I meant. that's always a problem right mm-hmm. uh, and so then you find the giant uh well actually i think before this right when you get down into the cave you're given the option as donald to either assist lula or to right. assist uh joseph. joseph and we've we did both because uh, we replayed this we played twice, we tried both. So options, we the first changes. the first time helped Joseph uh, to be the like the better person. He'd be like, "I'm gonna help you." Uh, gotta help my bro out. Gotta help a bro out. And uh, you just have a, a lovely conversation with Joseph. That's very normal. Where you talk about the experiment that you're going to be doing. And the second time, we ended up talking to Lula, mm-hmm. who goes on some crazy tangent. Oh, yeah for like a, a monologue for what seems like an hour of just talking and talking and talking about. Well, how, how Kai and I experience this game since we're playing it together is we read all the text out loud and give all the characters fun voices. Yeah, so. but unfortunately, sometimes you start with a fun voice and you think this is going to be three lines and then it's like a 15 paragraph uh, monologue and you've committed <laughs> to some ridiculous voice that you're trapped in where you're just like, oh God. That was me. That was, that was Jared, Jared having to... Uh, read lula's entire <laughs> monologue and what was her monologue because i think i sided with joseph because from what i remember the impression i got was that joseph was struggling a bit more to set up his equipment um do you remember and, what uh, so i went and helped him she i don't remember exactly what she talks about but it, it wasn't anything that was it didn't add anything to the it was just giving her more giving us more context of who she is mm-hmm. Okay, right. Okay. Was she into uh, architecture at this point? Did she mention so. that at all? No. no okay. I don't I don't believe so. Either either way, it doesn't have an effect on the story. You end up with the same situation. You end up going to the giant crystal uh cave and there are three strangers standing there, or at least what are Sparkly skeletons called strangers. Uh and they look at you and you decide to run away. Well, no, they play a sound. Right. That's right. what I I had. They play a sound. Uh, there's three of them, one of them in the front and then two in the back. And the one at the front plays a sound. And then he looks to the other two and is like, nothing happened. And Lula runs one direction and Joseph one runs the other direction. And you're yeah, left right. with the choice of who to follow. And in this situation, we also did the same thing where we did both. Uh, the outcome is pretty much the same, except it's just flipped with the two characters. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. You can't. So you can't stop uh, Joseph from leaving. Leaving. Yeah. You can't no stop matter what you do, you, even if you tell him, because like it's like 
the game prompts you to try to stop him and you're like, oh, you know, we need to stay here. We can build a fire is one of the options. So you like task him with doing that. He's like, I'm not staying down here. There's yeah. nothing you can do. No matter what the choices you make. Lula and Lula, because she's crazy, is like, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to take my station wagon and head to the zero. And you're like, yeah. Excuse me? This is, <laughs> yeah, this is the the heated discussion that we heard in in... Was yeah. it limits and limits demonstrations. and demonstrations? And she says, it, yeah. "I'm not going to stay down here. I'll mail you the tape. Like, yeah. like I'll I'll send you the tape once I'm out. I'm going to head like, to the zero on my station wagon. Your damn machine works. Yeah, you, then you can see if your damn machine works. And it's like, what is that? Yeah, mean? I tried to I tried to get Lula's attention at this point to try and stop her from going deeper. Yeah, um, and that was that was unsuccessful. Yeah, and so. Yeah, so now it makes sense that you know they were talking about the men will return. Which were the strangers. Um, which yeah. were the strangers that we encountered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so now you're left with a Joseph that has returned to the surface, a Lula that has gone deeper into the zero, and then as Donald, I believe we also stayed right. down yes. here with the with the Skelly people. We didn't go as deep as Lula, I think. We try to navigate our way through Bed Quilt, and right. we end up finding the where our king. permanent residence is, the Hall of the Mountain, Mountain King. This is where shit gets weird. Uh, you start playing as Donald. Trying to get trying, in Project Duffin' Yeah, so trying to start Xanadu, and you are given the options of uh, hiring assistants, hiring assistants assigning, assigning them, them to tasks, and sleeping. and sleeping, and then you're given percentages that you assume you need to get to 100%, which are the realism index, the romance index, mold. and the mold coverage. Uh, and mm-hmm. all of those start at 0%, or it, well, actually, it starts at like 4%, right. 2%, and then 0%. Um, and you have to make decisions by hiring assistants and assigning them to tasks, which are the, what are the three tasks? Because they all have weird names. Oh, Trans- it, it, tra- transcription, debugging. Uh, transcription, debugging, and speculation. Yeah, right. right. Uh, and so you, you assign can, them to those. Yeah, and you can assign multiple assistants to one task. So if you you can get up to I think five assistants is what we got up to. You can assign all five to one to like debugging, um, and or you can assign them all to different tasks. And you keep doing this until you can get the realism index and the uh, what is the other one? The romance, romance. index to a to a hundred percent. I don't mm. even think we, we even got to that point because there's there's like no concrete like way you're supposed to do this or like explains well, how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, the... go for it, Ben. Oh, no, sorry. I was going to say the uh, the way I think it worked is that the debugging is related to real like the first option boosts your first percentage. Your second option mm-hmm. boosts the second percentage. I see, I see. And so you can assign people to what you need based on what percentages you need to. Cause it doesn't yeah. ever say that, you know, that realism is linked to debugging, you know, and at the same point you, you hire these assistants, but you can't choose who you assign to what, like you get Amy and it's like, Oh, she's good at maths. And I was like, cool. So I'll, I'll put her on debugging, but you can't, right. you just say, I want this many assistants on yeah, this one. Yeah, you just do how many, you, yeah. you can't choose specific. So yeah, it seems that debugging is directly correlated with the realism because you're fixing issues. So you get prompts when you first start doing the three tasks that will give you specific things. So it's like, 
you made sure that the bat wings flap singularly rather than clumping together and becoming giant bat uh, like tumbleweeds was the, was <laughs> yeah. the description yeah. from the game. <laughs> and so as you debug, you, you make it more and more realistic. And then speculation is directly correlated to the romance index because that's, it's like, oh, someone thinks of a poem of love. Or, and then eventually you do this enough times where there's no new prompts. It's just the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, Timothy was just speculating or Tim- Timothy was thinking of ideas. Yeah. And then like debugging was Timothy found some mm-hmm. bugs or debugged the machine. And then the middle one is the balance of the two uh, where it has an, a, a minor effect on, on getting them closer together. And you just keep doing this until you can get it to 100%. And all of these assistants are... Uh the assistants that we had met in the cave. So as you hire them, you meet Amy, you meet uh, all the other ones. That There's so many of them. You meet, you meet we hired like five of them. Eventually you get to like- Weaver Mark. is one of them. Yeah, Weaver that was the important one of them. part is Weaver is one of the assistants that was yeah. hired, which is interesting. Well, not just that, you you find out that- um, I mean, I don't know if you found this out actually, because it will get to a point eventually where you essentially you sleep to end the day- and Correct. then the percentages will update. But eventually you get to the point where Shannon will say to you, like, this isn't working. Maybe we need to just quit and start again. I kept thinking um, that's what we need to do. I never actually ended up I tried that. it. Okay. You can't quit. Like Xanadu literally is like, no, you can't do this. <laughs> and so you get to a point where one of the prompts is like, you just have to wait it out. You're you're yeah. doing these fins on a day to day basis, and you just have to wait it out. But you find out it, it mentions that ever so often these strangers will come, and mm-hmm. they will scrape the black mold off of Xanadu. Yeah. And one night, you find out that Weaver followed these strangers back to wherever they came from. And they never um, came back, and she never came back, and she was and she disappeared. And neither did they. Exactly. Um. And so that was the, the wait it out option was, was the last one that I selected uh, before yeah. the Xanadu fin ended. Because mm-hmm. um, it just gets to the point where you've, you've fixed reality and you've, you've sorted out the romance. Exactly. And the last thing that happens is the game says like, oh, we waited it out and Lula showed up. Right. Mm-hmm. But... That's what happened in real life because as he leaves Xanadu, Lula's now in the Hall of the Mountain King. Yep. Mind blown. Yeah, she's. Yeah, you, you get there and she's there and she's like, oh, it's been so long, Donald. Um, and she's like, oh, you guys are here. And she basically explains that Donald and his assistants, now that Xanadu is working, Donald and his assistants can process the information that you got from the chapel and give you the address of Dogwood Drive. Which uh, ends up being, go to the cathode ray, uh, turning... Yes, go to the cathode ray, turning clockwise, and then turn counterclockwise until you get to... Back to the bureau. (laughs) Back to the bureau. Yeah. I struggled. Oh, yeah. Because I, I read that from... Um, but what ended up happening is that I was going around a couple of times. This is when I found the backpack and, and all of the other mm-hmm. fins that were on the boardwalk. Gotcha. Um, and eventually there was like a, a sleep icon that appeared in the bottom left next to the radio. Mm-hmm. 
I saw that too, but I didn't actually end up using it. Well, I clicked it, and Junebug was like, "Do you want me to drive?" Because um, Shannon was driving, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." And then w- the screen faded to black, and when it faded back in, I was at the bureau. So I was like, "Okay, well, that was that was handy." Oh, that's genius. We actually made our way through into the bureau. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember the instructions because normally you go to the book and they're in there, but I couldn't find them. Right, that's what we we're gonna say. Is like you don't actually have the the directions for this. I remembered the cathode ray, but I couldn't remember. I was I was going to the cathode ray, and then I was going clockwise from the cathode ray when I was mm. meant to do it the other way around, and then go back on myself. Yeah. You have little faith over here. Didn't trust my directions. But yeah, fortu- killed, fortunately, I was correct and could listen. <laughs> <laughs> so we 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 make it back to the bureau, and we head to the uh, little front desk there so we can, you know... Who's there? Get our actual directions. But it's Lula. Lula. Lula is there. there once again. She gave, she gave Margaret the night off. Marianne. Marianne, whatever. <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> it was close. It was M. It's true. You're almost there. Uh, and she tells us that there's a, a ferry that can take us where we need to go. Mm-hmm. Is that, and and it, should, it should be here soon. Yeah, they've they've now found um, using the data they got from Donald. They've now found the directions to the dogwood dogwood drive we were looking for. It's been renamed to something, right? Um, and she says the ferry should be along soon. It'll get you there, um, and then it's a short drive from wherever it drops us off to to our destination. As we sit there and wait for the ferry, Junebug is like, "Okay, what happened?" So what happened? And yeah. In, in in that chapel in, in the church. Yeah, because they came back pretty spooked, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then the game the game flashes back to the scene where we first went into the graveyard, and then the same dialogue options come up. Ezra and Junebug stay behind, and then Shannon and Conway go into the church. But now we're playing as Shannon and Conway in the church, mm-hmm. and you have options to sit down or look around the church. There's not really much in here, but as you sit down, uh, the little bench. Well, before that, you have a conversation with Shannon where right, she shares right. even more about her backstory. Right. Yeah, I was going to say that was a pretty big thing that came out about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you share that? Because I, I don't honestly know. cannot remember. I don't remember either. Oh, okay, the, the the one thing that I remember is that she was talking, this was where she was talking about how um, her family didn't have any health care and mm-hmm. what they would do is that Weaver's parents would manipulate their health care so that they could get the drugs that um that Shannon needed like under prescription of Weaver she right. she would get the drugs she needed um and she said about how Weaver was like almost like she had ADHD like there was lots of faults in her head and you know she was always having five conversations at once and right but she mentions that Shannon says the last time she saw Weaver was in a TV Oh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was fixing a TV, and Weaver was on Channel Two, and she was like in a room. Yeah, she went past it, and then she went back to Channel Two, and Weaver was there. Weaver was speaking, but it was like a low hum. And she told Shannon, "You need to go to the mine. The mine being the place that her and Conway went to in Episode One." Yeah, wild. Um, and then the bench descends into the ground because you know that's normal Just, <laughs> to make make things even more crazy. Uh, as the bench recedes into the ground, we are now in kind of this 
this little room. We, there's multiple benches that we can see that are all very similar to the ones we were sitting in in a row. At the very end is a podium with a skeleton man. Mm-hmm. And now we're playing as the skeleton man. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we One are we are given a tour of our factory. Um, yeah. it's it's strange. So you, yeah, you essentially are like, you think that Conway has come for a job interview. Job. That's right. the whole premise. Um, obviously they're there to get the password for Xanadu, right? Yes. Um, and so as the skeleton, you are, un you are unbeknownst to you, you're giving them this tour they didn't ask for. Essentially, you think they're here for this uh for this job interview. Um, and so you you take them down and you get them to put a hard hat on, and drive a cool car around. Yeah, you drive, you go down and you drive a car around. You can explore. Um, and I visited one or two places. There's like a logistics place and a bottling place. Mm. Um, but they don't add anything to it. It just kind yeah. of confirms that this is the hard boys and they are distilling whiskey and bottling this is it. Where and... the hard times whiskey comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's like a weird bit with the truck where he shows you around the truck you're going to be driving and dropping off the deliveries. Yeah, yeah it's so strange. Yeah, well, you go, you walk around the truck, and then there's a bunch of different options where you can check out different aspects. It's like you check the lights, you check the signals, you check the tires. And there's a funny moment where it's like you kick the tires, and it's like, well, this is just what you do when you're looking at a car, right? As if you could ever, you know, like, do any damage. Yeah, as, as, as damage you, you more. Than as anything. if you could ever. It's like put as much force as the the road does on these tires with your own leg and something like that. And it's I don't know. Conway has that super skeleton leg, so I mean, yeah, who knows what he can do? Anything's possible. Uh, And then you eventually look at look at the car, and it's like okay, talk to the dispatchers on the radio. You you talk to dispatch, and and the skeleton thinks that it goes well because you can communicate, I guess, with dispatch. Who who knows what that is? But yeah, and they're talking about the their previous driver because they think you're there to fill in for a driver yeah, right. the, initially i thought he quit but it turns out like he died yeah he died yeah. he crashed he crashed the he crashed the truck yeah he crashed the oh. truck oh they don't know how he crashed the truck there i don't know if he like took a turn too fast or yeah. he fell asleep but, but he had crashed the truck all that product was ruined and that's why they need to get back out on the road yeah. and then he they tell you that you never have to worry about loading uh the truck that they'll always do that and that you just have to worry about unloading the truck when you get to your destination. Um, Pretty sure Con- that's like smuggled drugs into the country. <laughs> yeah, and Conway's like, I'm not here for this this job. He also talks about like he's like he's been a truck driver for years too. Yeah. He's like, I, I don't Yeah, know he says like he's like, Oh yeah, I've got experience, you know, I've been a truck driver for years and but there there are multiple occasions where Shannon and Conway both try to say they're here for a computer password. And you just get interrupted every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Until the very end, where you end up, you've, you've, not to your own will, but to the will of Mr. Skeleton Man, have taken this job, in his opinion. Right. Uh, you get to take a sip of the top shelf uh, hard times whiskey that has been distilled for many many times top and, tier uh, shit yeah he's like this is the this is the best stuff well this he also like, he to also... seal the deal we need to take a sip of this yeah uh and then you take a sip and you're like i'm, I'm not taking this job but i guess i'll drink this uh and then mr skeleton man gets very upset right because he's like well now that was an expensive bottle that you had just had you're gonna have to work for us to repay the debt of yeah. like, wasting that essentially mm. and the tour he's he talks about how he, his time's worth a lot of money 
Right. Um, but yeah, so the surprise, surprise, Conway is now in debt to the Hard Boys. Shocker. The, yeah. This 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 company that seemingly are profiting off the debt of everyone, you know, whether it's Harry or whoever, you are now in debt to them. Um, you owe them a undisclosed amount of money. Um. Well, not even money necessarily. They just just say that you owe them for the whiskey and right. and the they tour. They never price. They just yeah yeah. They, there's not an account balance or anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Conway and Shannon now go back up um, and are reunited with Junebug and right. and Ezra. And that's when they came out and they were kind of you know well they, spooked they, from the like, situation. Well, you have to pay your debt. Like you'll start tomorrow or something. Oh yeah, he's like he's like take the time that you need tonight because you're gonna start tomorrow or something. Yeah. Right, yeah, because oh yeah, so yeah, Conway's sorry, yeah. I was gonna say Conway's like, oh I need to do this last delivery. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is ironic because he's gonna go do more deliveries after yeah. Uh, but it cuts back to uh, in the bureau, and you hear the sounds of the fairy. The fairy's coming, and the fairy is kind of silhouetted and like slowly crosses Starts as a normal fairy. Uh, and at the end, there's just a woolly mammoth. Yep, a giant mammoth on two legs. <laughs> that's it. That's where, and, that's, and that's where Act Three ends. And that is Act Three. Oh, I was so confused. so many questions, man. How can how can you simultaneously answer questions and bring up more at the same time? <laughs> it's it's a it's a skill apparently. So obviously we've we now have this closure on the situation between Donald Joseph and Lula, right? Um, you know, and we know more about the strangers. That's been closed. Yeah, we know about the strangers. We know they're this race of of skeleton oh, humanoids. Actually, we we left an important part off of this of how they how they actually get oh yeah that's the, why they were scraping the black mold dome in air uh password is that when you go down and you finally drink the expensive drink uh you say look we're just we're just looking for what's going on with the computer and what you guys are doing and how we get it to work and they're like oh donald's crazy like we're not we're not trying to hurt anyone all we do is we scraped black mold because of the angel share which in distilling is the portion that is uh evaporates into the air uh, when you're doing alcoholic whiskey and you put it in a barrel 20 percent of that goes into the atmosphere and they that then goes into the black mold and they scrape it off and then they squeeze they it out of the, the black whiskey. mold because their product is so important that they have to get that angel share back and they're like we we weren't bothering him we don't even care what he's doing yeah. he's crazy he forgot the password right exactly. uh, which he said which was dominaire and you're like oh okay well i guess that's a that's a thing oh donald you yeah, crazy strange skeleton man. people are actually helping him i mean their factory is pretty legit you know yeah they're just trying to make whiskey man and i mean be weird from dead people i was like questionable uh ways of doing that but i guess whatever gets the job done. if you're a skeleton and you make it whiskey yeah exactly like they you know they're being responsible you know they're being environmentally responsible they are pumping this stuff out that's causing black mold and then they're getting rid of it i mean these people are dead so i mean their usefulness has been has been done (laughs) right exactly they could have just said to him like hey we are causing that black mold um because i think they actually mentioned that they reuse it in the whiskey process somehow they squeeze it out yeah, because the angel share is absorbed by the mold, and then they press the whiskey back out of the mold to get the twenty percent back. 
That's what they say. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you could have just told him. Which is odd because in the in the cave with Lula, Donald, and Joseph, when they came across these strangers, they didn't seem to. I mean, when we were talking to the one in the factory, they all could talk to us perfectly fine, but they didn't seem to try to have any conversation with Joseph, Lula, and Donald when they ran into them. Like I said, they played the sound, but they didn't like, hey, guys, we're just looking for some mold. Don't mind us. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. They just looked confused at each other and they ran away. They can't speak, by the way. We should we should probably say that. The the skeleton people can't speak. We oh, have a we have a, a radio around us that allows us to answer questions for uh Conway and Shannon. But the, the skeletons themselves don't have the ability to speak. We they can only play. He has to play like a tape holder. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, because I was wondering that. I was like, I wonder if I wonder if it's gonna get to a point where these skeleton people aren't actually skeleton people if like that's just how they're viewed mm-hmm. do you get what i mean like if if in like a different reality or whatever they are actually not skeleton people and humanoid because we have one of their legs now so right well similar to how they talk maybe there's just a certain context when we need to view them to be able to see them in a different light and where we are right now we just see them as these glowing skeleton people They've all just taken Neripirithal. Yeah, they're all just like really, they're addicted. They're just we took it once, so we, on just like, we just have like a one leg, but they're just like on it all the time. They're pumping that shit in their veins. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, who knows? They're there's, snorting there's... lines off their skeleton legs. Yeah. Literally anything is possible at this moment. There was a mammoth on the back of a fairy. That's how this is the end of the A uh, boat fairy, not like a flying fairy. Just so we're clear. Yeah. You know. Fairy, fairy with two Actually, R's and at, an E, not at, fairy at, with an A and an at I. At this point, a flying fairy with a mammoth riding it probably wouldn't be in the realm of uh, anything yeah. crazy. So let's it, uh, it's... go for it. Sorry, I was going to say it's, it's strange because this is the only game I've ever played where I simultaneously understand what's happening and have no clue what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. We, we still got uh, an in-between and two full acts to go through, so... Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's like an epilogue. Maybe. Like, I don't know if there's one of those small acts after episode five or if that's just going to be the end of it. On the little wheel, when you when you pick your act in the very beginning of the game, it doesn't show one after act five. But who knows? But who knows? Who knows what happens? Maybe the let's, zero opens up and... Uh, let's finish this off by going around and talking about our uh, opinions on act three. <sighs> you go first, Jared. Okay. Um... Act three was wild. <laughs> uh, like Ben had stated, we got a lot of clarity into kind of the situations that we were in previously. We learned more about Lula and Donald and Joseph, and we learned a little bit about this, you know, the hard times whiskey and, and these strangers that we kept referring to and, and seeing. But at the same time, why is there a mammoth on a ferry? What happens next? We're just trying to get to Dogwood Drive. I'm so confused, but I'm so intrigued at the same time. I hope I hope this game does have like a concrete sense of clarity at the end because the vibe I'm getting is it's gonna be like a like a mysterious end. It's like figure it out kind of ending to it, which I'm like, no, I don't want to think. Just tell me what happens. <laughs> um but I loved it. I, I think that they did a fantastic job of and I think Act Three was probably the perfect time to do this, of mixing up gameplay elements where we were doing pretty much the same thing in Acts 1 and 2, 
And then, you know, in the beginning of the entertainment, throwing us into first person, having us do the whole Xanadu thing. I think all of that was a, a good change of pace that kept, kept the game interesting, aside from the batshit crazy stuff that was happening. So, yeah, it was it was great. And that song, I'm going to go listen to it now. Get it again. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ben. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it as a whole. Um, and I'm very, I'm very invested in this story um you know i have a feeling that the story between lula donald and joseph may not be over just yet um i'm intrigued if conway is actually going to turn up for his work and pay off his debt to to the hard boys or if he's going to try and avoid that and then if there'll be repercussions what is dogwood drive you know is any of this real mm-hmm. like i'm just very much like jared said i'm i'm somewhat scared that this game won't have a solid ending right right um because to me that would it wouldn't it wouldn't ruin the game but it would definitely take a big chunk away from it like it's it sounds silly, but it's one of the things I didn't like about Inception as a movie. Like, right. it was awesome, and then that fin just spun at the end, and you're like, "Well, fuck." Well, I mean, it, it you're seems supposed like, to decide. It seems, yeah, <clears throat> it, that would be the theme. You know, like honestly, when I'm thinking about it, it would make sense if this game just like ended on like a random cliffhanger, and it was like, "Hey, figure it out. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta piece it together afterward." And there's gonna be like a bunch of speculation of how the game actually ends. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm expecting. But we'll see. I mean, I'm still, I'm still really loving this either way. Oh, so, no, that's great! It's fantastic, and I'm very I, happy I get to play Act Four tomorrow. So that's good. Uh, yeah, I think Act Three overall was very interesting. As Jared said, they they changed up some of the mechanical aspects of the actual gameplay. You got to play in first person in the opening, and then the interaction with the computer specifically, uh, and and kind of navigating this alternate reality that was built within Donald's computer um, was very cool. I love the nonlinear gameplay as far as the story goes of playing back in time once you get to the end and seeing what Mm -hmm. happened with Shannon and Conway and really getting to see the other perspective of who these strangers are since Donald seems to think that they're up to nefarious acts, but the truth is they could really care less about Donald and what he's doing in uh, (laughs) Bed Quilt. Um, I'm interested to see what character is introduced uh, in, in... Act four, because so yeah. far we've gained a character, obviously, for Act three is Junebug, which I f- find very interesting, and especially Junebug and Johnny. There's uh, one part of dialogue that we got that we didn't talk about where uh, Ezra asks, Ezra? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, Ezra asks Junebug, like, oh, is Johnny your boyfriend? And she goes, you know, he's not my boyfriend. He's he's not anything. He's my cricket. And that's specific. And the best thing you can be is specific. Um, and then Ezra goes, I want to be specific. And, oh, yeah. and they have a whole conversation about, you know, what it means to, to be yourself and to be something that you are. And I, I thought it was beautiful. And yeah. tying in, I think this one did the best job of tying in the, you know, prologue to the main story, the idea of debt and the idea of what these people are going through and what it's like to live in, in this place somewhere between the zero and reality where, you know, you still have to deal with your repercussions and that there's a reckoning coming for everyone. And now that reckoning is coming not only for 
you know, side characters, but as well for, for Conway for taking the the drink of top shelf whiskey and agreeing to work for this company, even though he didn't mean to. So I'm very interested to see what happens. I have no expectations of a coherent ending. Uh, I actually (laughs) prefer stories that don't have a solid ending. So maybe I'll be satisfied, but um, I liked Inception. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I mean, I loved it. It's just, uh, it's it's not that I hated the ending. I just, I wasn't fully satisfied. It's one of those things where it's like, ah, Come on, I just I just want to know. I just want an answer to you, what's happening. You have to answer the question for yourself. I don't want to answer. In all oh, things man. in life, you have to come to the conclusion that best suits you as a person. And that don't make me sit for a two and a half hour movie and then blue ball me <laughs> on the end. And like, <laughs> wow, wow. Anyway, um, interested to see who comes in next. Interested to see how this new information about Donald and Lula and Joseph tie into to the next act and. Uh, Hopefully we we get at least some of our questions answered as we move further into this I'm not, I'm saga. Not, I'm not holding my breath, honestly. The what the one thing I'm interested in the most, I think, in the next episode, maybe more than the whole Donald Joseph uh, Lula situation, is why Junebug has stuck with us. You know, Junebug and Johnny, I should say. I mean, Johnny's quite silent he doesn't really talk much to to the group as a whole it's a lot more about junebug um but mm-hmm. you know after the concert we we done what they wanted us to we went and saw their show and you know personally i enjoyed it like we said uh, there was no need for them to come with us to you know onto the zero and to go to donald's and right. now come back to the bureau so it's like do they just want to see what happens? Are they going to use it to like fuel their music or is there some kind of ulterior motive? Are they strangers in disguise? Who anyway. fucking knows? We know they're robots. Exactly. They're robots. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they talk a little bit about the zero and wanting to go on the zero. Um, so I have a feeling that the, the zero as a concept is something that draws people in and makes them want to, uh, you know, find something of meaning on it. So I'm sure that we will see why, why uh, Junebug specifically is so drawn to exploring the zero and finding what she's looking for. But mm. I mean, she does seem like an adventurous character. Oh, definitely. definitely. Just from like her mannerisms. Her personality and stuff. definitely fits it. But yeah. All right. That was Act 3, That guys. is the close of Act 3. It was wild. We are very excited for the continuation of Kentucky Route Zero and hopefully to maybe... We will see you uh, on this journey next week to, uh, to the next act. Act 4, and the, the next and crazy. second to last. Yeah. As this story comes to a close. The penultimate episode. Guys, thanks so much for getting to the end. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media at Instagram and Twitter at PlayAlongPod. Uh, go rate and review us on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. And if you do, if you have any feedback, we'll read it here on the podcast. If it's negative, if it's I want to see those reviews on LimeWire. Let <laughs> me see <laughs> the reviews. <laughs> Let's see it, LimeWire. Um, yeah, something that we're going to be doing, we always kind of like, usually in the on the penultimate or the last episode, we'll, we'll talk about what we're going to be playing next. Usually you guys are always in the dark, but we're changing up to where the other two individuals on the panel will also be in the dark so uh, 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 Kai is going uh, to be picking uh, uh, our interstitial episode and ben and i have no idea what we're, he's gonna pick so we, we, we do have we do have two two episodes until that happens correct we're playing the act four next week and then uh, act five is the last 
last right. point. Well, we right. will announce what I'm torturing the two other hosts uh, with as an <laughs> interstitial episode. But it'll be fun us learning at the same time you are. So I'm pumped. It's exciting. It's going to be just the, the Scrabble app for iOS. <laughs> <laughs> just a week of words with friends. Yes. Do it. I'm down. You hate random like how shovelware you, apps like that because i know you <laughs> we'll see we'll see okay guys we will see you next time with act four peace out see you later